You're listening to Business in Balance with Nature. This podcast is brought to you by Business Law and Felser, an organization in the Kingdom of Denmark that is tasked in promoting awareness and growth in a rural region while maintaining its agrarian legacy. A region that is experiencing a high conjuncture thanks to its strategic location in Europe's largest infrastructure project, the Feynman Belt Tunnel, connecting Denmark and Germany. These are the stories of how BLF brings life to their vision of bringing business in balance with nature. My name is Chris and I'm your host. Listen in. Season one follows a bold and ambitious concept aimed at attracting promising, high potential and scalable companies into the region. And you'll hear their stories and how they strive to create a business that is both financially sustainable and have a positive impact on the environment. Say hi to Michelle Wettstein from Nature Foods. Hi, Chris. Thanks for hosting us. Pleasure to be here. Yeah, great. Can you just tell me a little bit about Nature Foods? Yes, definitely. So uh, we are a, a startup focused on uh, plant-based uh, alternatives. So we focus on products that uh, are really nutritious, delicious and tasty and really suitable for people that uh, look for nutritious and uh, plant-based alternatives. How did you get on board Nature Foods and be a part of it? So last year when I finished my uh, MBA, it was innovation and entrepreneurship. I was looking for an interesting idea that would really drive me with passion and enthusiasm. At that time, I got to know the founder of Nature Foods, uh, Dr. Marcus Mosin. And uh, yeah, it was the time of the year that uh, we started to speak. And also uh, within our conversations, we figured out that uh, the stage the startup was at the moment. Um, it is uh, of great sense to hire me. So like uh, last September, I got involved into the startup. Yeah, but you uh, were able to push products out in the market very quickly from last year to now. That is true. And uh, also one of the reasons why we started to work together was to establish this uh, initial launch and also to get the first uh, retail traction and the first clients with the product uh, into the market. So tell me a little bit more of the market that you launched your products in. So um, by this spring, uh, we received the opportunity with the first uh, shelf space and the first uh, roughly 220 supermarkets. Um, due to the COVID, this launch was pretty difficult for us and uh, didn't happen as expected. But uh, at the point we could start to uh, do our work and do the launch, uh, we received some first traction and uh, did some really good results and also had a big uh, learning or a really big learning curve of uh, how to adjust and how to improve our business. But uh, so far, we can say that uh, we are uh, on, on the journey and good to go to do uh, the next steps uh, beginning of next year. What were the biggest learnings for you when you were launching a project in the middle of a pandemic and then things needed to change? So what were those things that, that changed? So it really forced us to be um, flexible on many aspects. So we had uh, new information each and every week, also with our um, business clients. And uh, yeah, we were required to switch, let's say, from in-field work that we do on a personal basis to 
telephone, basic uh, switching to more Zoom calls and online conversations and simply to adjust your business that you can find a way to make it happen at any, yeah. any uh, sacrifice you have to take in at that step. Yeah, and how does that affect them getting to know about your product? I think this is really interesting as, as much as we work on the product and think about it at some stage, I believe you simply have to launch to get some feedback yeah. for especially the factors you maybe can guess to a certain extent, but only really find out um, about when you launch a product that can be into the pricing, how is the product perceived, how is the brand perceived, what are people thinking? Yeah. And yeah, this traction, I think, or this feedback you can gather only at the stage when you actually launch into the yeah. market. Yeah. And then take it from there and do the additional adjustments. And then what was the biggest market feedback that you got? Did you have anything about the taste, not just, you know, considering the price and where they feel that this belongs, which category it belongs? The category, let's say, is to some extent new and uh, plant-based beverages uh, made from peas are not yet that known. So now this is a really interesting process um, that we follow, but also with our um, uh, retail clients that we actually try to find out um, what is the category, how is that category defined, and at the same time, now, how is their perception of the consumers? Do they see it more as a, let's say, plant-based dairy alternative? Is it more a kind of uh, own pea section? Or are we getting even kind of close to then the products that uh, we we know are derived from, uh, from the animals to some extent? Yeah. And this is now a process we are also in. So how did you come up with peas as a raw material for this product? That is a really good question and um, it is also mainly based on the founder of Nature Foods, uh, Professor Dr. Mosin, that uh, has a vast experience into medical treatment of patients affected by uh, malnutrition and other nutritional diseases. And uh, yeah, over uh, during his career, he had so many patients that had these diseases and uh, he kind of... Uh, find out there are some similarities he discovered which then were based on the fact that um, a few of them or a couple of them followed a vegan or vegetarian diet and always showcased a similar picture of what missing what was missing into their diet or what has led to these diseases so he started to think um, how can i create something different or new um, that that is able or capable to supply all these essential nutrients and uh, macro and yeah. micro ingredients, and then um, discover the pea as a source that um, is really highly digestible and is also really consumable in a sense that uh, there is not really allergens, so everyone in Europe should then be able to consume such a product. Yeah. Peace is not an unknown legume. It is well known in Europe. We use it every day, but I don't think a lot of us see it as something that we can drink. So how did he develop the idea that this should be a drinkable product? That is true. Um, peas are a well-known uh, legume in Europe. Uh, it's growing here since roughly 20,000 years. 
we know it since ever. Um, but it is not yet common to use uh, this vegetable into a drink or another consumable. But uh, for Professor Mosin, it was important that um, he also could find a way that is uh, makes it for us really easy to get the nutrients in. And also that kind of is now for nowadays lifestyle, which is really fast paced. We don't always have so much time. So he kind of tried to identify how can I make a product that um, is healthy, but at the same time is really easy to consume. Right. And I also think w when you have it in a liquid drink, uh, either you take it in the morning or in the day or in the evening, uh, it is really easy. Yeah. Can you then describe this beverage? Is it more milk or juice? What is it? We get asked that question really often and uh, we always like to answer, please uh, give it a try because there is always this big curiosity. But um, I mean, uh, we have it in a one liter Tetra pack and uh, when you would open that and pour it into a glass, uh, it is like uh, white, creamy. Um, it uh, it has a nice consistency that is really rich and uh, when you would look at the product uh, yeah you, you can ask yourself um, is this like similar more to a cow's milk or is this something plant-based but um, yes uh, it is really um, nice looking by now people are used to a lot of alternatives to milk we have oat milk and rice and almond milk. Um, is this another one of those? Well, um, there is a category of different alternatives made from plants. And uh, we also believe this is really good because uh, this gives a lot of variety and yeah. choices uh, to the consumers, uh, what they would like to consume. We kind of followed a slightly different direction uh, with Professor Mosin. For him, it was really important to supply this different type of nutrients that we get. And uh, he also was looking for a source that is really high in protein that supplies a high uh, amount of protein at the same time, a source that uh, helps or helped him also to make a product that uh, is, is also really fitting uh, consumers' lifestyle and so on. So we don't believe we are, to, to that sense, uh, uh, other plant-based or vegetable milk into the shelf. But uh, we identified also that uh, certain consumers are now looking for alternatives that are really uh, creamy and supply the same uh, nutrition as uh, cow's milk and that is also giving a similar experience etc etc and this is also kind of where then Professor Marcin tried to develop such kind of product that gives this group of consumers also this uh, experience. From what you're describing I would have a tendency to think that this is more of a very good alternative to milk considering the contents of it and the fact that there are not many allergens. And as you know, a lot of people actually cannot digest milk. I'm one, I'm lactose intolerant. So you would say that this is a very good option for me instead of cow's milk. It is right that uh, the product has uh, similar similarities to uh, cow's milk when you would compare now the protein content or uh, also yeah this product experience. 
um, also there, yeah, it was important that uh, for all these people that do not have the opportunity to digest cow's milk, that there is also an option that they can get something similar for them that, that is supplying at the end of the day the same of, of what they maybe would wish to have with a cow's milk. But there is simply this lactose intolerance that is kind of restricting them. So I think here we can supply an experience that also gives to these uh, consumer groups a similar joy. Yeah, considering the type of raw material that you're using, peas, I can help but think that it's also a very sustainable method of producing this product. Peas is an interesting uh, legume to grow in Europe, also in uh, Northern Europe. And now uh, we are also looking into that of w what is our implication with producing this product. But um, the benefits are there is way less uh, fertilizer to be used. Um, and this also has an impact of uh, less groundwater pollution. At the same time, uh, when you grow peas, you get really uh, a lot of like uh, micro bacteria into the ground. This means you get a soil that is enriched after a, 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 when you do a pea a crop rotation. So afterwards, you could plant, let's say, um, winter wheat with a uh, with uh, better nutritional profile into this wheat. So there are several benefits uh, that uh, we can get out of growing the peas. When we do a season, uh, we use uh, roughly 100 days to grow them, then uh, we can harvest them. At the same time, what is also important, there is biodiversity. So when we grow peas, we have positive impact on like bees and some small mammals, etc. So it is important that also the actual part of growing our main crop is also sustainable. That sounds like a great insight into the whole primary production process. What do the farmers think about how their products are used? So, so conversations with the farmers show that this is now really an interesting period as also they are looking into the future and thinking about um, how can we how can we make our, let's say, yearly plannings to grow different types of vegetables and so on uh, sustainable? How can we improve our soil? And they're also affected by this type of questions. And for sure also to start these conversations and speak about, okay, how is it when we also add peace to your yearly planning? What would be the implication and how can we start uh, to bring this up together? This is now uh, also really opportunistic. It seems like a win-win situation, not just for the farmers, but also for the environment. Because when you use this as milk, that also means that you are rid of the animals that produce the milk. And you know the carbon footprint that they create. What is your take on that? It uh, was not necessarily our aim to uh, replace a cow's milk or, or, or kind of find uh, another option to supply this. But uh, it is fair to say that, uh, yeah, what you mentioned in terms of what is the impact to produce our product and so on, then I believe it is uh, simply quite efficient to make uh, our product also compared to when you see, yeah, but what is necessary to uh, produce cow's milk. Uh, by myself, I have more uh, economical and financial background. And so we are always driven to optimize things. And I think also the dairy industry is quite uh, efficient and optimized. But uh, when you think that uh, we 
import every year roughly 14 million tons of soybeans to feed our animals and to produce cow's milk. And when we also have the option to do that directly with growing something in Europe and make a different product out of it, then again, my economic side comes one more time in place. And I think when we can make it directly from a vegetable and don't have to feed an animal first to actually get the milk out of there, then uh, I think this has an interesting base actually to be looking into what doesn't necessarily mean that people that uh, like cow's milk cannot uh, consume that anymore. The big question is, does it taste like milk, cow's milk? It uh, doesn't necessarily like cow's milk. Um, it is a plant-based product and we also wish to give this uh, experience to the people that they also recognize this is from a plant and not from an animal. But uh, some feedback we received so far also showcased us that a certain group of people think uh, it is much more similar to a cow's milk than a plant-based milk. Currently, you have four variants of your product. One that is with vanilla, the other with chocolate, the other is natural form. And then you have another interesting one called Barista. Can you tell us a little bit more about these four products that you have on the shelves? That is right. Um, we started now with four different versions of our um, dairy alternative. Um, the three you mentioned, like the original, which is a neutral version, as well as vanilla and chocolate, is really based on that uh, we can supply a lot of protein, a really a lot of healthy nutrients and really a good product that can be consumed uh, on a daily basis. At the same time, uh, also Professor Mosin has Italian roots and uh, in Italy, coffee is really important and a big tradition. So it was kind of his main intent also to develop this so-called barista version that is really suitable for like any coffee beverage or any beverage you would like to have some good foamed up alternative that you then can use. Is that the most popular product? So far, it is the most selling and the most popular product it seems to be perceived quite good by the consumers. What we also identified there is that um, our barista version creates uh, really a lot of foam that really fits all this type of coffee beverages that is also really helping the consumers to prepare their different types of beverages. The good thing about introducing a pea as a milk alternative is that the consumer already has been exposed to other options, only that this one is not only allergen-free, but also filled with nutrition, which I think is important for especially those vegans who may be lacking certain proteins in their diet. Are you thinking of other products that could be made from peas that you're going to offer the market? So it was really interesting for us to uh, bring this product into the market and also to get the feedback of how it is perceived and um, um, being in this learning curve, we now also identified other interesting opportunities 
that is for us mainly around what is made today out of a cow's milk and uh, we also can offer from a plant-based side uh, you mentioned all these different uh, allergens and intolerances that people can consume this as well so now we are looking uh, into yogurts and uh, ice creams and also high protein drinks that maybe is more for people that like uh, to do sports and building muscles and so on so we believe uh, we are mainly in that sphere we are not looking let's say into meat or this direction but yeah. much more like what is today made out of, out of milk and uh, what can we offer there as well yeah as a yeah so at the moment you're staying within the beverage liquid category and then slowly seeking out what market opportunities there are But uh, we are also listening on the consumer feedback and uh, what they're telling us. So we also hear uh, time to time uh, they wish a creamer, um, a plant-based creamer. And uh, also taking into account such uh, feedbacks, then uh, for sure we try to also implement this uh, within our strategy for the next products. Yeah. And which markets are you looking into? So we started uh, in Germany this year. And uh, as a first focus for the company, we also have set out Germany. But for the future, uh, we are looking what uh, is close by by Germany. That uh, could be Switzerland or Austria. Or also how is our product and brand perceived more towards the Nordics. So we believe around Germany, we also see then potential to also launch our products within the upcoming months and years. And your immediate next steps? What is going to happen with Nature Foods and some of your products in the next six months? So um, uh, as we launched uh, last spring, uh, we also received some uh, feedback and want to do a small adjustment of how we scale our product. So we will have uh, some tweaking in the dairy alternative. This will be the focus also for the beginning of the next year. At the same time, uh, we try to reach additional shelf space so that we can make the product available in more regions in Germany of what we have today. And uh, after accomplishing these goals, then uh, we like to add uh, one of the new products that might be yogurts or maybe the ice cream, whereas we see now really good feedback on the yogurts and uh, when also the situation with COVID allows, we believe we are good to go by next uh, summer, early autumn to launch one of the new products to the market. And can I buy the products online or is it more on the retail, physical retail space? Right now we have uh, more of a German focus in terms of a uh, retail side and also on the e-commerce side. We always try to um, adjust that also or we are now working on a project. How can we make the product more available uh, towards Europe on an initial phase? And uh, we are also looking into Amazon, whether we can also launch on that platform. And uh, we are also trying to get into bigger cities, maybe with some initial uh, small stores that uh, we can make it more available. And for sure now with the opportunity of uh, being hosted in Denmark, we're also looking into this market, uh, whether we can get some uh, shelf space and also some uh, initial traction in this market. It was a nice experience to get some uh, different types of feedback now about our product and how is it perceived. And uh, we also want to take it from there and uh, start to think about how can we 
bring happy into Denmark. That sounds like a really good plan. And your brand is called Happy. And, you know, Denmark is one of the happiest countries in the world. And I think that it can only get happier with your product in the market. So if you're interested, you can go to happea.com and read more about the products. I think that is a perfect match. And uh, when we can do something to make Denmark even happier, <laughs> we are we are happy to do that. Yeah. And uh, one more time, thank you so much for hosting us. And uh, yeah, it was thanks a huge for pleasure being here. to be here. Yeah, thank, thank you, you and good luck. Thank you. Bye, Chris. Bye. You're listening to Business in Balance with Nature. This podcast is brought to you by Business Law and Felser. My name is Chris and I'm your host. 